come. Walk down the winding path. Don't mind the spooks and monsters. They stay hidden within the trees. There are mysteries in this world that you need to know, and paranormal truths that need to be told. Come, step up into the caravan while we share tales of old, as well as new accounts about things you thought only existed in your nightmares. Yeah, Bunny Amp. <laughs> oh, jeez. No. This is Vance and Sean, and tonight we're talking with Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back inside the caravan. I have with me Vance Nesbitt and Sean Porker. Hi, guys. Hi. It's uh, it's great to be here once again. I'm back in my well, caravan couch here and sitting with the one and only Sean the Fork Chop Porker. Hello, Sean. Hello, 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 everybody. Feel free Love to browse through the uh, – yeah, it's just thank you. I was just going to say feel free to browse through the uh, the magazines on the coffee table here. <laughs> the Library have- of Lore. The Library of Lore, yes. We have the uh, <clears throat> Witches, Potions, and Lotions. I think you might find that uh, <laughs> rather interesting of a read. Lotions, huh? Put yeah. lotion in the Why basket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, uh, we, yeah, well, we, we do things like that at the caravan here, and we make outfits out of, you know, supple-skinned women, so. But that's our own little secret. We will not share that on a podcast. No. Anyway, <laughs> you know, Sean, you asked me a question uh, over at the existence of strange things. You know that you know little show that we do over there uh, for Radio Memphis, or it's on Radio it's a Memphis. Show. It's just a little show. Um, but you asked me a question there, so I'm going to throw it back at you now, and I'm going to ask you that question of, what is it, Sean, that got you into this whole paranormal cave of spelunking and all the spiderweb mess of paranormal? What was it that got you into all of this? Well, I grew up around it my whole life, so I remember just as as, as far back as I can remember uh, watching TV shows with my dad, uh, Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World, Unsolved Mysteries, which I used to have to go to bed at 8 o'clock on Sunday nights because school's the next morning. And I'd be in my bed just like with my covers up up to my eyes with that, you know, Unsolved Mysteries theme playing in the living room, just scaring the hell out of me. And when finally I was a little older, I was able to watch it. Uh, shows like In Search Of. So it was always around him. My, my dad was always watching something uh, documentary-based or paranormal-based. And uh, one time on our way to visit my mom's brother who lived in Virginia beach at the time. Mm-hmm. We, uh, I, I love to talk. You guys know this. You, you're around me enough. And, uh, I wouldn't stop talking on a car ride. And I was driving my dad absolutely nuts. And it's a long drive. It's like a nine hour drive. So he stopped and picked up a book along the road. And the book was well, at a store along the road, not just lying on the road. That'd be even more weird. <laughs> but he stole a book from a hobo, uh, <laughs> he just knocked the bum out and stole his book. That's uh, right. Dave's Among Us from John Green. And I read the book. I was like nine at the time. And I got hooked. Uh, and ever oh. since that, I just I 
couldn't get enough knowledge. And like, we're still going back to the nineties where there weren't a million books on Bigfoot like there are today, or at least my library didn't have any. And I'll admit it right now. If my library had a book on it, I never returned it. I kept it for myself. So I probably owe them like some, some money because you know what they never nice. had them in stock when they did i took them so oh, <laughs> sure. no that's Shame fantastic that's okay yeah, when well. i die in my will my wife is donating all my books to a, to a library because nobody else will take <laughs> to them. a lot but right <laughs> uh, so we'll pay we'll pay it forward um but so i was always grew up around this stuff my grandfather always had books around the house uh, weird stories around the amazon actually i have still have the copy of the book he gave me there's a first edition book called monsters by vincent price and it's up in wow. one of the totes and it was an amazing book and i remember opening it up and it had a picture from the himalayas of the you know famous footprint with the ice pick next to it and i'm mm-hmm. like there's got to be something to this. So as I got older, I, I, I read more on it. The internet finally became a thing when I was well, probably in middle school or high school. I was the first one in my neighborhood to really have high-speed internet. So I was, you know, hot stuff. And I just assimilated everything I could. I found the BFRO website. And when I was 17, I finally got out and started uh, interviewing witnesses and you know, really just getting out and starting the research. I joined the PA Bigfoot Society in 2004, and Eric Altman, um, who's a pretty, you know, recognized name in the field, mm-hmm. kind of became my mentor, and he and I became fast friends, and it started me off on this really crazy journey I've been on now for 20, it'll be 22, 23 years this year. Wow, that's fantastic. Oh, wow. See, I love stories like that, and I love making the connection when somebody has a similar experience in their life as to what got them into it. You know, uh, not to make it about me, but I find that really cool that your dad actually stopped. And again, we didn't take out a hobo to get a book from him, but (laughs) that he stopped and took the time to get you a decent read that now started you on this on this journey and I've always found myself of course I had you know a profound paranormal experience but I found myself gravitated towards ooh, looking at UFO books but right next to that was the Bigfoot and the Yeti mm-hmm. and, and the Loch Ness Monster and I'm like whoa wait wow there is a whole world of coolness out here I didn't really know that existed and of course again it's the library you know, it had a limited edition of the amount of books you could find on it, and then you find that thirst because you want more. So, yes, fortunately, um, you know, let's give kudos to those that created the Internet and to what it is today. Now we can pretty much type in anything and something will come up, at least something. Yeah, that's the best part and, about it. And, and it keeps that thirst fed, so to speak, of doing research, but... Yeah, I find that um, I find it fun and fascinating to meet other people in this community and how they got into it because, you know, it's a brotherhood. It really is a brotherhood. And I know Jennifer has, you know, similar stories as well, right? I, I mean, I do. I um, it's funny you mentioned the Unsolved Mysteries. That was something that my grandfather and I always uh, lit or watched together. And um I remember one of the ones that scared me the most was about uh, spontaneous human combustion. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, you know, and yeah. the, the biggest thing was it was the true, sto- like, well, I don't want to say true stories. Um, 
human interaction stories like, hey, this person murdered somebody and they've never been found or whatever the story is. Those were the ones that scared me more than the paranormal ones. You but, know, I mm-hmm. agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. Right, because uh, there was tangible evidence left behind. Mm-hmm. I, exactly. I don't know about you guys, but that part, yeah, like when you're watching one of those stories and, you know, you are it's one of those murderer stories and like nothing made you feel better than when they played that like update music. This SOB <laughs> yes. has been found. You know, you're like, oh, great. I can sleep tonight. Yay. All right. Yes. I know exactly what you mean, and I forgot all about that until you just brought it up. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's it's so like, awesome. oh, God bless. Yes, he was caught. Oh, yes. I yeah, because without, without that music, man, you're doomed for the night. It's like, oh, Guy, no. I grew up in a ranch-style house, so, like, everything was on the first floor. And a true uh-huh. story happened to me one time is uh, I had gone to sleep, and it was about probably 1030 or 11 at night. And I distinctly remember the screen to my bedroom window coming off and an arm coming through my window and grabbing, trying, you know, grabbing around, trying to get into my room. Oh, yeah. And I screamed. Oh, yeah. My dad came into the room, saw like my curtain moving. So my dad ran outside and chased this SOB down the street. I don't know if my dad ever got him, but I'd never seen my what? dad move so fast in my life. So somebody what? tried to like break into the house in my room. So after that, uh, I in- encouraged my dad to nail my screen to the window. And he's like, what if there's a fire? I'm like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I don't want that to ever happen again. Thank yep, you. Okay. Just, just put jail bars around my windows. That that will be fine. Thank you. Oh, my God. God, how terrifying is that? So these human stories that you're talking about, like with that connection, like people scare me far more than the paranormal. And I don't even mean that to be from a paranoid, delusional standpoint. Like these things that are paranormal, there's always that part of us that's like, maybe they exist or maybe they don't exist, right? Like Bigfoot. And I've had my own encounters that changed my mind in that. But there's nothing scarier than being in a moment like where there's real – you're in real mortal danger, from an actual living, mm-hmm. breathing human being. Humans are far more scary right. than anything we could ever investigate. Oh, absolutely. No, I, agree. I mean, we're the most we're the most violent species on this planet. Well, right. And the fact that you can just not that there's people out there that just don't care, and how far people will go. It's yeah, it's terrifying. The real monsters. It is. So like that update sound, you know, that was my baby Grace. I loved that. I'm like, oh, great. They got this guy. Now on to the next story. And guys, like all episodes of like Unsolved Mysteries are on Amazon now. Oh, really? you can get your fix. Every single season with Robert Stack, who (laughs) I will never be able to smoke enough cigars or drink enough (laughs) shots to get a voice like Robert Robert, uh, Stack. And I'm trying. Well, not the smoking <laughs> part, but the scotch part. I'm trying, and I don't nice. think I can do that. You know, uh, we'll work on it. <laughs> the, other, <laughs> the other big thing, too, that really opened the door for me, and, and this will, I don't know, it's kind of funny, uh, Goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was about six years old when the very first one came out, and then I think I was about eight or nine when I really started getting them, like, every year at the school book fair, and... 
I just, I, you know, I couldn't get enough. And then there was those, uh, the scary stories to tell in the dark. Yep. I don't know if you guys saw those. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. I remember that. So, and it's really. Are you afraid of the dark? Do you remember that? Yes. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So I found it on YouTube and well, they don't have all the episodes, but they have quite a bit. And I sat my girls down and I'm like, you've got to see this. And they were so into it. Yeah. Are they? Yeah, they're bringing it back. Uh, oh. I don't know when, but they are reviving the show. I saw it online the other day. I should post stuff more often about that. I'm yeah, terrible I would social love that. That's fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're bringing back a lot of the Nickelodeon um, primetime stuff that was doing really well for them. I see that it oh, is wow. getting revamped and brought back in a different uh, carrier and format, but still, they're bringing those shows back, which okay, they should, that's fine. Because they worked. Yeah. They did. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Our generation's not messed up at all. No, no, we're fine. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I have to say, we're pretty good. Yeah. We had a few missteps along the way, but we're pretty good. Like, this next yeah. generation, they're screwed. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know what the hell to do. You know, I have yeah. to say, before I forget, I didn't get to listen to the last episode of, like, the whole thing of... um the existence of strange things on Friday. I didn't get to listen to all of it, but uh, Lon was talking about the goat man and I got so excited because there was a book and I, gosh, I think I was in fifth grade and I don't, and it, it sucks. Cause I don't remember what the book looked like. I don't remember. Oh, the, the Pope Lake monster. Well, or no, the Lake, yeah. Lake worth monster, the Lake worth and yeah. and yeah, the Lake Worth monster, and I think he brought up the Pope Lake monster too. But he right, might have. Yes. the story yeah. that I read in this book, and it had all these different stories. Like it had one about this black dog that was kind of an omen, and then it and then it had this goat man of Lovers Lane, and it talked about how it would bang on their car, and I always <laughs> wanted to find that story and read more about it, and then. Um, I think Lon said in the chat that um, there's still sightings today. I believe well, there's, it. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Lon probably wrote the book, though, so you might want to <laughs> <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's a dumb decision, but man, could you imagine, like, coming across that? I keep laughing um, at Lon because he keeps writing books. He's not saving any topics for the rest of us. <laughs> it's cool yeah this it's is cool. true yeah, i want to write true when my when my coke can comes and chases me around the house i'll have something to write about <laughs> that might be the only thing that's left by the time lawn's done yeah you know? right <laughs> oh my god all right so here was uh really yeah go on i make so much fun of lawn and butch but i really love those guys they're so much fun to work with and you know they're both you know, significantly older than me, and you know, I'll push them around in their, uh, you know, in their chairs, and we'll go out and we'll we'll have a good time. No <laughs> kidding, they're gonna kill me. But no, I really do have a good time with them. That's awesome. Well, when this episode airs, we'll just make sure that there is a notation on there, uh, not for Butch or Lon. <laughs> no, you, we'll, you may not we'll, listen to this. Right? You may not. <laughs> you know, and they're both controversial guys, though, because. Butch and Lon are both guys that will tell you what's on their mind. You don't have to push them very hard for them to do it. And mm. they, 
you know, Lon gets a lot of flack because I think people don't think he's skeptical enough. But actually, mm. when you get to know Lon, there's quite a bit of skepticism underneath the, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. all the stuff. But he reports it as it comes in, and I think that's what I I can't stress to people enough. And a lot of times it's like, mm-hmm. well, of course you say that you work with him. Well, yeah, I do, and he's earned my respect over the years, but he reports this stuff as it comes into the witness and you're mm. getting the first hand account without editing unless he's got to clean right. it up because some people don't write very well but it's mm-hmm. he feels it's not his place to put words in the witness's mouth as you're reading it then he'll do a follow up with his thoughts and you know that is for people can do whatever they want with that but for the majority of what's posted on phantoms and monsters and what comes through that is mm-hmm. right from the witness. It doesn't get any fresher than that. So like right. with this whole thing with Chicago, right? Because he's taken a lot mm-hmm. of flack over Chicago. And I don't think it's mm-hmm. fair because there's a lot of people no, working not. behind the scenes on it. Uh, right. He's putting out there what people are saying and, and what people are reporting. And their thing is, well, this isn't possible. Okay, that's fine. Lon's not saying it, it is possible. Lon's not the one out there seeing it. These people are seeing it's possible. And unfortunately, the majority of us live – I live quite a bit away from Chicago. If not, Vance and I would be eating some pizza right now. Uh, <laughs> he can't get out there and investigate, so we have to rely on the investigators that are out there and what they're reporting back to us. And is that the best way to do it? No, but it's what we got, and unless people want to start shutting up and start putting up the money for a you know unlimited travel fund, it is what it is. Right. And, right. and this yeah. is what's being put out there. He wrote a book on it. He gave his opinions. He also gave the opinions of everybody else uh, in the task force. So now you're not just getting what he believes. You're getting what everybody in that group believes, and I right. think that's pretty extraordinary. I don't think it gets much better right. than that. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, for me personally, when it comes to, you know, is that true? Is that real? And, and the whole skeptical thing, I I don't really jump on either side. I really like to play with, well, what if? What if it was? Let's pretend. Me too. Because <laughs> what if is, is where imagination is, right? And there's a lot exactly. of people out there today that will tell you, well, shame on them for reporting on this and shame uh, on them for writing a book. Well, right. you're going to go write your own book and write your own article and attempt to sell a skeptical viewpoint on the same viewpoint that the guy who's <laughs> believing the witnesses is putting out there. So mm-hmm. it's okay for you to make money on it saying it doesn't exist, but nobody else can make money off it you know, under the same premise. So where is the, where's the real problem with this? You have skeptics making money. Mm-hmm. off witnesses who say they're seeing something by trying to disprove them and discredit them. And you have somebody trying to prove and help research what they're saying, making money off it. So where's exactly. the distinction and where's the wrong? That's what I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Mm-hmm. I agree. No. It, it, yeah. It's, it, it is a very good point and it's very true. You know, um, I believe it was last Thursday I was out and about doing my job and I, I'm that type of person. I'm always looking up. I always look up. I, it's just because what am I going to see? And something caught my eye at a very high altitude, but it was a large flying something, not UFO, because it was flapping its wings. But this thing was at a really high altitude, but I couldn't really make the distinction enough to say, whoa, could it be? It could be 
but I just keep it to myself because I didn't have enough tangible proof for what I'm looking at mm-hmm. to say, oh, my God, Lon, I saw it. But, hey, for all the reports that have come in, something is going on. Something has to be going on with all the reports right. that were coming in. And it's like for John people, Green said with Bigfoot, Vance. It's like John Green said with Bigfoot. Even if all of them were proven to be a hoax but one, one report was still legitimate, and that made it all worth it, right? Oh, right. Absolutely. Oh, exactly. And it's the same way with the Chicago sighting. And I didn't mean to step on you there. I'm sorry. Right. But no, like, no, no, it's no. It's happening too much. And, and I, I have a real problem with – you know, we talked about just a few moments ago, you know, people, skeptics making money off it and, and believers making money off it or researchers making money off it. The only time I have a problem with it is when somebody is deliberately hoaxing to make money off it. Right. Right. That's the problem. And there is that fine line in the middle. And mm-hmm. if the witnesses are reporting these in and it's being investigated – and some people don't like the way things are being investigated or that witnesses aren't always available. That's on the witness, first of all. That's not on us. There's a confidentiality in place for a reason, to protect them from being onslaughted by believers and skeptics mm-hmm. and just random run-of-the-mill people who maybe these people don't want their family to know they saw something. Uh, right. It's traumatic enough to experience it, let alone now you have – you know, you're at a family get-together and everybody's making fun of you because you saw the great waffle man of Tucson, Arizona. You know, it mm-hmm. it, it could be something dreadful, and, and it could have affected them in a very traumatic way. But it's a, you know, if we can't talk to them, they're not available to everybody. Well, heaven forbid it. They have to be a hoaxer. I don't believe in that in that either. And, and I didn't mean to take this, and, and, and I just had a little bit of a platform here, and I wanted a soapbox on it because it's been on my mind. I wrote a small snippet of it on the existers page and mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to follow up on it and, and put that out there when I get an opportunity because it's not fair these guys do a lot of work and let's just see where this goes like like Jen said what if what is wrong with living in the realm of what if and in, in this mm-hmm. dang near dystopian age we live in right now what is so wrong with a little hope and a little thing this is what if <laughs> it's not hurting anybody right. you know No, it's not hurting anybody. All all right. So my point, my point is, look, if Bigfoot was a hoax and it's been going on for the thousand years that it has, the human race creating the hoax is a bigger story than the Bigfoot itself. So right, right there is kind of a tangible thing to say, hmm, maybe something really is going on here. And I think the same thing is with this Chicago flying humanoid sighting the same way. If this was all a hoax amongst people, I think that's the greater story than an actual flying bat-winged creature. Yeah, now, because then it kind of proves mm-hmm. that we can create a mass hysteria just by the all power right. of suggestion is that strong. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I know, and yet none of us have an answer still, but it's fun to look. It's definitely fun to look. And I I hear cryptids myself in the back. Did you hear that? Do you know what that was? Sorry. <laughs> no, don't apologize. Don't well, apologize. Before I forget, I was just going to say that it's, it's crazy because, um, you know, for years people have been talking about, you know, monsters or – 
what have you, you know, all the different books and cave paintings and movies, you know, and all this stuff. And then I know that within my own personal life, I've seen a lot of just weird stuff that I can't necessarily explain. And I would really be shocked if everything was not real. It just, it just wouldn't make sense. Right. I mean, there's just too much. There's too much evidence to be like, oh, nope, those aren't real. And Sasquatch isn't real and, you know, whatever. No, I agree with you. And I think that just really fits into the same vein as to what we were really just discussing, that that would be the bigger story than the actual creature itself. And so I do find that really fascinating. But, um, you know, do you believe in leprechauns? I don't know. <laughs> I have a story about a leprechaun. Do you? I want to hear it. Oh, leprechauns. Saint... Oh, I'm fascinated. <laughs> Since Unfortunately, Saint Patty's Day is right here, we may That's as well right. have a leprechaun story. So, welcome right? to your Saint Patty Day leprechaun story. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so it's two different stories, but it's really the same one. Uh, my sister had a friend that experienced, um, this, and then I also had a friend who experienced this, uh, when she was in elementary school and it's unique because my sister lives four hours apart. And so it just makes it more interesting to me. So when my friend was really little, she saw this thing that was really short, you know, shorter than, I don't know. It was like. I would say about the size of a one or two year old, but it was, it was built like it looked like, you know, an adult and it had a kind of a twisted gnarly face and it tried to drown her It chased after her and she was by the pond out in her backyard and it tried to drown her. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, messed up. Yeah. No, it is. And it really, it, it upset her for a long time. I mean, we were in middle school or early high school when she told me about it and you could still see on her face that she, it was like it was yesterday. And then my sister's friend had a similar experience. Um, it didn't try to drown her. She wasn't by a pond, but it had chased her and tried to grab her. Um, so, you know, (laughs) who knows? I will never eat Lucky Charms the same way ever again. <laughs> I oh, mean, whenever I've heard of well, I've always heard of them in a very sinister way. I've never heard anything good about them. Well, you no. know, ever since I saw that movie with Jennifer Aniston and Warwick Davis as the leprechaun, I could never think of leprechauns mm-hmm. the same way again either. Right. In fact, I blame that movie for me always wanting to kick little people in the head. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. No, no offense, little people. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No offense, little no. people. It's nothing against you. Blame Warwick Davis. He didn't no. represent you very well. In that. Right, right. You're always after the pot of gold, and then you punt right in the head. One of those things came oh. after me, it'd be the end of its life. It's I could not deal with the yeah. leprechaun. I'm out no. in the yard and I see a leprechaun, it's going in my lawnmower. <laughs> oh my goodness. Everybody, if you're out but, there listening, get them before they get you. 
You, exactly. See, you know, that kind of goes back to a conversation I think maybe we all had a while ago about, you know, your favorite monster and why. Uh, if there's going to be a monster, let, let's have it be a Cloverfield or a Godzilla. It's big. I can see where it's at, and I can run away from it. But these little leprechauns and little tiny aliens and little zombie killers, no, dude, I can't see where you're hiding at. And you, no, no, those are much worse for me, much worse. Extraterrestrials scare – the concept of alien abduction horrifies me, and – I don't know why, because to my knowledge, I've never been abducted by aliens, but just the thought of something being able to take you against your will yeah. in the middle of the night is just well, in your room. None of us are like, asleep, uh, is really, really frightening to me. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I, will, I will give you a piece of advice, Sean, okay? And, and, and take this advice. Um, it doesn't get any better the older you get. <laughs> <laughs> it does not. I thought, okay, it'll be a phase thing and I'll grow out of it. No, no. 30-some years later, I'm still just as terrified of that as I was then. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I don't know about camping out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and uh, no, mm-mm. I, I'm just like, you know, the worm on the hook, just baiting myself mm-hmm. for them to come down and take me away. <laughs> and then over the years... I'm finding out, no, 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 no. See, they can walk right through your walls or right through your bedroom window and take you. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, no, now this is not cool. My room is my sanctuary. You cannot just walk through the walls and take me. So, yeah, that whole concept, terrifying. Paul Sinclair, the gentleman we just interviewed uh, in Mm -hmm. his show played last Friday night, you know, he talks about that in detail about some of the experiences he went through as a child with uh, alien abduction. And we actually spent more time on that interview with that segment than we were planning on. Uh, we mm-hmm. went a lot longer and more detailed because Lon just automatically drew comparisons to the David Eckert case that he's been working right. on for, you know, over a century. And those, those, not really a century. People are going to take that literal and it was meant as sarcasm, but you know, those, Situations like I can, I can only empathize with people because I've never experienced it, but they have my complete empathy. Because imagine seeing a Bigfoot's one thing, seeing a UFO mm-hmm. is one thing. Imagine being the person that is being abducted. Should something like that be a legitimate bona fide thing? And I'm not saying it's not, but let's just put that part out there in case, right? Right. Imagine right. being that person that's continually experiencing this. And doesn't have anybody to go to to talk to. And then finally they get the yeah. courage to go talk to somebody. And it's like, wow, this is absolutely incredible. Like, is this happening to people? There's mm-hmm. no support groups for that that you could go to no. in your local town. You know, like how I was abducted <laughs> on Tuesday. Like, there, yeah. <laughs> there's nowhere you can go and say, hi, I'm Sean Porter. I'm, a, I'm an alien abductee mm-hmm. and a right. recurring prober. And you just mm-hmm. can't go and and do that. And like the trauma of these people, and I say that a lot because the more I've talked to witnesses over the years about just generally Bigfoot, but I've done home investigations. I've done a lot of different things. Like I got a background in Bigfoot, but I've really done a lot of different investigations except for UFOs. I haven't done those yet, but talking with mm-hmm. people, there's a psychological aspect to this where you're as an investigator and a researcher, you're a part psychologist. 
mm-hmm. wear many different hats in the course of an investigation. And oh, I sure. If you are a real true, and I, I, I truly believe I'm partially, or I'm just a full blown empath. I'm really good at feeling how people feel and knowing mm-hmm. situations by by feeling. And my wife will tell you it's really strange. Uh, uh, you could tell when you're being bullshit. Right there's a right. body mm-hmm. language component to it. There's a eye contact portion, and there's just a sense of the person's personality and expression when it all gels together. You can tell when there is a legitimate situation that have occurred to these people. Nobody is that good of an actor that no, I agree. can pull right. it all together. And and you meet some of these people that have had these experiences. And I did a home investigation once. And the one person that was experiencing thing in the home was a seven-year-old autistic boy, okay? And he was cognitive. He had the ability to communicate, you know, not fully able to articulate what he was feeling, but a little uh, meter. And I went with him in his room, and I scanned everything in his room to just give him a little sense of security that there was nothing in there. Uh, right. That hurt him in his closet. I sat in his closet with him. I scanned teddy bears and and pillows and anything he brought to me. I scanned it just to show that it wouldn't ding the meter. And like this kid was scared, and you know you're able to give him just a little bit of relief in the moment to know that there's nothing going on here. But like fear, I, I just can't stress it to people that you know just call these people liars and that this stuff doesn't happen. Like. Sit with a witness and somebody who's a legitimate witness, not somebody who's trying to sell their story to uh, whatever the show is. It's not hard copy anymore, but TMZ, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. there's a real difference between an experiency and a hoaxer. And if you can't tell that distinction, get the hell out of the field now. You don't belong in it. Like, exactly. Right. It's no. heart-wrenching what some of these people go through. It really is. It is heart-wrenching. And, you know, I, on that same vein of, you know, you saying hoaxing. So over the last few days, uh, you know, I have been just kind of archiving on my own time here. And still to this day, there is more tangible proof that this particular video is not a hoax, that it is an actual un-CGI'd video of the UFO that was recorded over the Turkish Sea where they zoom in and you can see those big-eyed aliens sitting behind the windows of this thing in zoom. Now, it's not crystal Mm. clear, but it's clear enough where you can see two of them sitting there moving around in this craft. And yet still, it has been analyzed and scrutinized just like, you know, you know, the, Patterson Gimlin film it, and nobody yet can say it is definitely a hoax they can't now the beauty of the Patterson, yeah the beauty of the Patterson Gimlin is it was film there was no CGI or alterating so anything that you saw had to have been done through costuming and set well this video is you can tell it, I don't know sometimes you can tell CGI and sometimes yeah it's a challenge but this video creeps me out every time I see it. And if it if is it. a real video, that verifies what these people claim are abducting them. Wow. Right there. That's enough proof for me right there to say, yeah, yeah, that, okay, I totally buy into that because 
you can clearly see both of these entities sitting, and it looks like, you know, a captain window or something on this gigantic ship that they're zooming in on. And just, uh, you can YouTube it. It's just look up Turkish UFO. And um, okay. I'll be darned if I, if I forget the gentleman's name, the doctor who passed away within the last mm -hmm. year that was doing the uh, surgeries to remove probes and so on that worked on. I just watched um, that documentary too. It wasn't Lear, was it? No, no, no. It was uh, no. Oh, was it? Uh, oh, boy. I know Don't exactly. I feel I just, it was patient. Was it patient 14 or something was the name of the documentary? Oh, that's possible, but he was he he did work on uh, Whitley Schreiber, and he tried to do his surgery, and I know he just recently passed away, but he was there during the filming of that UFO video in Turkey because they were there for a UFO conference, and oh, that wow. was the creepy part of it all. They all came out, you know, at break time after the conference, and it's dark out, and somebody, you know, they had their cameras set up on tripods. And sure enough, they see this thing way off on the horizon of this light that's just hovering there. And, of course, fortunately, they had, you know, a decent camera with telepho you know, telephoto lens on it and was able to mm -hmm. zoom in on the thing while recording. That was – how fantastic is that? But, Bo, what you see in that video, it's, it creeps me out. And I'm like, okay, if that's um, not a hoax, then this, this is actually really going on with these people. Right. So, well, I mean, I don't know if I've ever – I know that I've talked to you and Shannon about it, Vance, but I don't think that I've talked about it publicly with mm -hmm. that dream that I had. And mm. I don't, I mean, I don't think Sean knows about it. So, I mean, I'll share a little bit. Um, I feel like I have a little bit of insight to what the people go through just because there was one night that, um, it, I don't know if you want to call it a dream or very, very realistic dream or, or what you want to call it, but um, it, it consisted of me laying on this table um, and there was, there was other people there and there was these, they looked like humans, but they were, they were really pretty though. One had red, this gorgeous red hair. Another one had like blonde hair and they communicated telepathically. And I remember I was wearing kind of this white, um, I don't know, like an oversized shirt. Mm -hmm. Well, they they stuck a needle in my left arm and they injected me with something. And they told me, you know, not to worry, that everything was going to be okay. And they left the room through these double doors that kind of swung. And I remember the person that was on the table next to me, it was another woman. And they, well, they were all women. Um, she, she didn't really have a response to me, which I thought was weird. And I'm just like, okay, they're gone and I need to leave. I need to get out of here. And so I get up off the table and I run through a different set of doors and I am all of a sudden I'm in this the whitest room that you've ever seen and it's just i don't know super clean and and then everything just blurs out well i wake up the next morning and i and i have a puncture wound on that arm oh wow and it's it's really um 
it's really disturbed you know disturbed me ever since um you know so i don't know Eh, i don't know i wouldn't even know how to begin to tackle that one honestly and and i think when you have dreams that are so vivid like you know you could chalk up a lot of things oh the mark on the arm is is uh coincidental i don't usually Mm -hmm. believe in coincidence uh uh, I'm sorry, you you had that dream uh, or experience. I I guess you don't know really what the you know what to call it. All I know is exactly. I would start writing them down and keeping a record of them. And I know Lon would encourage you to do the same thing, like keep a record of of what you're dreaming. If you mm-hmm. any other time, uh, if there's if you're sleeping, it's kind of hard to notate missing time. You know what I mean? Well, I was sleeping for ten yeah. minutes, but it felt like twelve hours. That happens all the time, but. Like if there's just any subtleties that you notice in your day-to-day routine, if you notice during the day you're missing some time, just notate everything you can down and, and mm-hmm. take it to somebody that does have some experience in dealing with, with these situations. And that, I would probably say reach out to Lon and, and talk to Lon uh, about it because he might be able to help you through it too. Or even See, Butch. It's, it's – I mean, I I have a lot of dreams that are vivid and stuff, but to be that, I think that that has to be the the most real that that I've ever experienced anything. And the only unique thing surrounding the event was the fact that um, my husband had drove out late at night. It was probably around 11 or so. And he drove out we live out by backcountry roads and there's a park and he drove up there and there was this light, just this bright white, but kind of blue light that it was like, it was a helicopter light, but there was zero sound. There was nothing. And, you know, he was just automatically terrified and he turned around and he drove away as fast as he could. And we went back the next day and it felt like, I don't know if the right word's electric, but it was, I don't know, it felt like that. And there was An nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing in that area where he told me that the light came from. There was no light source. Nothing. But if you're mm-hmm. sensitive, you may pick that up anyhow. Like, you you may just, it's like somebody who's, you know, arthritic and they can feel the weather coming, you know, if you're sensitive as it is, you might be able to feel that regardless. No, that's a really good analogy to put it that way that, you know, being sensitive. Yeah. You might be able to pick up on whatever residual might be left behind. And I don't know, of course the experience too leaves you kind of on the edge of your seat to begin with, but yeah. Yeah, if you right. get to that area and you're picking up, you know, a sense that, you, you know, I think you kind of know what I mean. And I'm sure our listeners yes. understand exactly what that is, too. You're picking up all that residual effect of what may have been there is making a connection with an experience that you had. Um, yeah, it's a puzzle piece, but it's a translucent puzzle piece, and it's hard to find a place to put it. But, you know, that's you know, why we all do this. Oftentimes, guys, I've wondered if those that have experienced paranormal things or have experienced 
you know, something traumatic, if they don't have some sort of perceptive ability to see beyond the veil and now they're able to see things more than, uh, and it may be because it's after midnight here on the East Coast, I'm tired, but it may be, are you able to see more than what naturally meets the eye because you've already been experienced? Does that make any mm-hmm. sense? Like, oh, yeah. It's almost well, it like, makes, it, what did I say? The world of one's spirit. Yeah, what I said to my son, it's like leveling up in a video game. Like all of a sudden you've now mm-hmm. unlocked this ability to oh, – and, yeah. and I don't know. Like because I remember and, – and the reason why – I'm glad you asked the question at the beginning, Vance, how I got started in all this. And I grew up in a family where we talked about it because my father, my uncle, and my grandfather have all had experiences with uh, with ghosts. Or spirits, mm-hmm. right? They lived in a house That's awesome. up in Johnson City, New York, out on Hayes Road. I don't even think you can get there anymore. The house doesn't exist. But they lived in an old, restored farmhouse. And one night, my grandfather had come home from work and laid down on the couch and saw a woman in colonial garb walk right through the living room and walk right through the wall. And he was never interactive with them. But Grandpa said it was like almost like watching something in playback. You know, you got a residual haunting type thing going on there where they wow. can see and they can't interact. Now, my dad and uncle mm-hmm. had also had very similar experiences in that house. And and I've always wanted to go back to that house. But like I said, I don't know if it exists anymore. And right. see if there is something there that maybe, you know, I, I'd love to experience something like that. I don't recall having very many uh, of my own experiences with like, Ghosts per se. Uh, mm-hmm. I have had a shadow person experience. Uh, it was uh, mm-hmm. incredibly scary, uh, and actually happened in the house I live in now. But I was in bed lying with my wife, and all of a sudden I saw this really dark, darker than dark of my room. And if you guys know what I'm talking about with shadow people, like dark, oh yeah, standing in the corner of my bedroom. And it frightened me so bad, guys, I started picking things up and started throwing it at it. Mm-hmm. But my wife rolls over and she goes, what is wrong with you? I said, there's something standing in the corner of our bedroom. And, of course, she runs over and hits the light and there's nothing there. But I'm right. laying here in bed looking over at that corner of the room, and there was something standing there as clear as day. And I had just come not too long before that from a home where we had done a pretty serious investigation uh, where we had something significant happen in the basement of this house, and I felt maybe later that that was something that either tried to attach itself to me and come along right. for the journey or right. something that I just happened to spontaneously uh, you know, experience. But it scared me, and uh, man, that, that, that freaked me out for a while. And I've never experienced it again, but I experienced it that one time. And that was mm-hmm. enough for me. So these people that have had those shadow experiences, I can empathize mm-hmm. with that. That's a whole new ball game. There's yeah. something sinister about it. There's a level of fear. And when I say black guys, like it is the heart of darkness black. Like mm-hmm. I've right. never seen anything in mass that dark, like a void in the shape of a humanoid figure. Oh, yeah. Weird. No, that's and, uh, – uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, that I was just going to say that's what my sister and I – um, have encountered at the foot of our beds since we were small and without saying anything to our children, um, our children are seeing that stuff too. Well, 
I just got goosebumps. <laughs> if I could show mm-hmm. a series of like goosebumps, it's scary. <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. It is. And and I was talking to somebody, and they said that um, they did hear something somewhere about it being hereditary, which doesn't really? make it any better, but. I mean, at least if it's written down somewhere, I might be able to find out more information. But, um, you know, and I'm glad. Which that kind of leads. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. That just kind of leads back to what you were just talking about, Sean, about, you know, if you have that experience, maybe you open up and you become a little bit more apt to it. But Mm -hmm. that was the first time when Jennifer brought that up to me, that was the first time I heard that maybe it's hereditary Maybe there's something in the DNA, and it is hereditary, and they identify with whatever that hereditary thing is, like a cancer. Okay, cancer runs through certain families more prominent than it does in other families. Most definitely. This might, this might be kind of a attribute to that as well, that this is a hereditary problem, and maybe that's where this paranormal thing needs to be investigated at. And I find that just wow now you're going down an entirely different unexplored road medically to try to figure out what what it is if we don't go down these roads we'll never know and absolutely talk about this stuff that's how we build a case case for jenny's in jen's case like you know at least from our interactions and what i've listened and you know there's some sensitive abilities you have correct like does your sister share any sensitive abilities Um, she, I mean, a little bit, but she's always said that I was a lot, uh, it was, it was more intense for me than it ever was for her. And of course, if, you know, your children might still be younger, they might not have even kind of recognized it yet, you know, because with kids, you know, that's the thing I always talk about with children is children will see everything, right? Imaginary friends and we kind of scoff at it, but kids are uncorrupted by the world we live in until they become older and we tell them things don't exist and they stop believing in it. You know, Santa exists and so you say, hey, Santa doesn't. Right. And right. it's the same thing with everything else. Like kids have imaginary friends. Are they really imaginary friends? Are they really playing with somebody that's there? We just can't see them. Exactly. And I'm not the first one to have that thought, right? Let's let's be honest. But kids, as we get older, we get indoctrinated into the world we live in and we start thinking about things that are – you know, we start killing ourselves with responsibility and, and lose that imaginative creative. Some people do, not everybody. And I think people that are a little bit more sensitive or a little bit more geared towards, uh, you know, that growing up with either a simpler life or not having the distractions notice these things a lot more prevalently. And, and, and that could mm-hmm. be something that, you know, we should explore too. Heaven forbid somebody walks around without an iPad these days. Like, we don't notice the things that, that are in this world until sometimes it's, it's too late. But with, with right. kids, like they still have that freedom and that freedom mm-hmm. of thought that we lack. And there's got to be something in there. If we could find a way to blend the technology with that ability, we might be onto something. Right. right. No, I've, I've watched my kids when they were, uh, gosh, how old? I want to say anywhere between eight months and 15 months, I've seen them interacting with something that wasn't there. And it, and it really felt like there was something there. Um, and, and it is one thing that, you know, like your family, it's something that we talk about because I don't believe in, 
and telling people that, oh, it doesn't exist because you need to know also I feel how to protect yourself uh, in certain situations. Um, yeah, no. It, and, and there was one experience too with my grandfather. He passed away and it was only a couple months after he passed away. He, when I was little, he would carry dinosaurs at, in his pocket for me. He would get them from the grocery store and he'd bring them home. And that's nothing I ever talked about with anybody. And it wasn't anything that I really did for my kids. Um, and one day, my oldest, uh, who was really young at the time, gosh, I think she was five or so, she just comes up to me and she says, Papa Don has a dinosaur in his pocket. And of course, I crumbled to the floor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I, how would she have known that, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's a perfect example of that. And, it, and it's happened, and it's happened to a lot of people. And we hear these stories through talking to folks and and listening to different uh, people over the years, different TV shows. Like there's all kinds of stories chronic, chronicling this. Uh, we still refuse to – not we, but the public in general refuses to acknowledge this stuff as more than just either you've coached them or – or, you know, they just had details that there's no way in, in, in hell they would have unless they really experienced them, right? Uh, right. And those stories to me are remarkable. The, the, there, there's something about that, something genuine, that you can't force feed and, and feel. And it, this is a crazy field. It's, you know, yeah. still by many considered to be a pseudoscience, the field of paranormal investigating. But I think the key is... I don't call it a science, really, guys. I call it an investigation. It's an ongoing investigation with many different parts, with many different facets, and many different topics. And right. you just can't narrow it down. You can't treat them all the same. And there's no mm-hmm. – there, there's a certain amount of belief one has to have in the witness or the experiencer, and there's a certain amount of skepticism you also have to carry with you at all times. You never take anything right. at face value, but sometimes – the the best explanation and the best answer is what's in front of you. This is what they experienced. You know, they, they say the onus is always on the person making the claim. I don't right. know if that's always fair. Right. Because how can you prove something nobody's willing to believe to begin with? Just like your UFO, mm-hmm. you know, your, the Turkish UFO, the dichotomy of right. video or photographic evidence. If it's too clear, it's CGI. If it's not clear enough, it's garbage. There's no yeah. middle ground. <laughs> exactly. You know, you're going to be fighting exactly. the assholes and idiots on all fronts. Uh, yeah. Pardon my French. But you're going to be fighting the war on two fronts. You're never going to win because it's never going to be good right. enough for anybody. It doesn't matter. All the evidence we'll ever have doesn't matter until we either crash a UFO on our own and drag its and in, in, uh, its and cabinets out on CNN, or mm-hmm. you know just you know kill a Bigfoot and like both of these instances require the death of something to prove that it exists and if you don't have a fundamental issue with that i think there's something wrong with you uh, right. but we're never going to win and, and we're never going to make people happy and i think the other weak argument that hoaxers and and not hoaxers but uh skeptics always make is they always attack the education or uh, intelligence level of the person who's experiencing something Mm-hmm. I'm a pretty smart guy. Mm-hmm. I think so. I'm not freaking Einstein. I'm a pretty smart guy. 
I'm not college educated. Does that make me any more, uh, any uh, less credible than uh, Doctor uh, Heinrich? No, uh, no, of course You know not. who experiences UFO? He's got a different criteria. And in academia, mm-hmm. those people are weird to begin with. Like they're not exactly operating on all thrusters. If you've had a conversation with one, mm-hmm. no, and, clearly. Yeah, I mean they're a little screw loose anyhow. So. We're never going to win, and I, I don't um, want to fight that battle anymore with with people. I want to collect the stories. I want to investigate the claims, and I want to make my opinion. And if people believe it, great. If they don't, well, sorry, move along. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. No, I'm on the same page. You know, for me, and and why I do the caravan is because. I mean, it's no different than getting a Goosebump book. I really love it. And then to be able to have other people in my little club that <laughs> like to talk about the spooky things, too. Well, it's fantastic. Right. Every day is Halloween. Why wouldn't you want to, yep. you know? So I'm not I'm not out to prove anything to anybody. I don't care what people think. I'm just having fun. So. Me, too. And, you know, well, my, my dad asked me, guys, why? Why, you know, because we've all experienced this stuff. Why did I have to be the one to go out and start talking about it? Because now mm. I'm not Bob's son. I'm he's Sean's dad. You know, it's really funny. But oh. we we go out and we we talk about these things. We have conversations, and my dad's like, "At what point is it not entertainment, and is it research?" Mm. And I was like, "Why can't it be both?" Right. Well, and it's also healing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So there's that therapeutic aspect to it. That counseling. That counseling yeah. part. Mm-hmm. It, it's, no, it's I great. totally agree with that. Yeah. No, just like we said at the beginning of the show, it's so fun to hear what your experience is that got you into this and to draw the threads and the parallels between my experience and Jennifer's experience. And it is therapeutic. You don't feel alone. You do not feel alone. And if we offer that to even our listeners, even if they're, they don't want to talk about their experience, but they listen. Mm-hmm. And other people's experiences, they don't right. feel so alone anymore, and it is very therapeutic that way. And, mm-hmm. you know, although you said, yes, this is an investigation, it's not a science, mm-hmm. but I have to hand it to science for at least contributing tools to help the investigation mm-hmm. along. I mean, Agreed. look at the tools that we have now compared to 10 years ago, and we are moving a little bit further down the road in investigating and be able to identify what's not real a lot faster than we were before. Before we had, you know, we would question and ponder and scratch our heads for a long time going, was it real? Now we can pretty much sort through all that stuff pretty quick. We still can't identify what it is from the unreal, but at least we're making big strides that way. So, you know, thanks to science, that is happening. But, you know, on we go. Thank you, science. That's what we do. I am Mr. Science. Thank you. (laughs) You know, and and I've been podcasting, guys, for 12 years. I've been doing this on paranormal topics. It's a long time. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to a lot Mm -hmm. of people. The funny thing is, is going back, and I hate listening to myself. I don't like listening to anything I do, but there are times (laughs) I go back. And I want to listen to an interview I had. I did an interview with John Green. Like, how many people can say they interviewed John Green and talked to John right. Green or Dr. John Bindernagel, guys that have actually been out there busting their humps or had been out mm-hmm. there busting their humps? Mm-hmm. And um, I go back and I talk to even just the everyday person. And there are some times where I'm like, wow, I've completely changed my mind on how I felt 12 years ago on this topic 
or isn't that you know, crazy? I still feel yeah. the same. It is because you know, you know, first of all, twelve years ago I was a lot younger and I didn't know half of what I know now. You know, hindsight being what mm-hmm. it is, and there are still some things I'm a lot more regimented on. Like you take the subject of habituation, right, with Bigfoot. That's a big topic uh, for research. Oh, sure it is. Does it happen? Right. right? I think ninety percent of the habituation encounters are bull, but there's ten percent that I think they're probably legitimate. And, you know, mm-hmm. a, a perfect example, I was just on Steve Cole's The Squatch Detective Radio last week, mm-hmm. and I talked about this older couple. She was a retired uh, nurse. He was a retired school teacher. He's losing his sight, so he was virtually blind. And these folks lived in the middle of an old forest in Pennsylvania, virgin trees, man. The trees were so big, I couldn't even wrap my arms around them, 120-year-old plush trees. They live out in right. the area all year round. Not and the other people that live out there are more seasonal, you know, like spring, summer, and they're out fall and winter. They live out there year round. They had ongoing experiences with something, and she never came out and said exactly what it was until one day, at about two thirty in the morning, her dog needed to go out. She let her dog out. Mm-hmm. The dog wouldn't leave the end of the porch. It was raining lightly, so she didn't think much of it until she looked at to the end of her yard and saw underneath this light over the dumpster a large Bigfoot opening the lid of the dumpster, taking the garbage out, going through the garbage. Her husband, keep in mind, guys, can't see. He's blind, right? Right, right. Always felt there was something else around. You know, when you lose your vision, you lose a sense like some of your other senses get better. That's just, for some reason, that's how the body adapts. He always felt there was something around. And those folks, they never sought out to become famous or do anything, but they wanted somebody to come out and be with them and see if they were going crazy or if there was something really going on. And they were the most genuine people I've ever met. And as far as I know, they're still out there. I've lost contact with them. I'd like to go out and visit them again. Lovely people. Mm -hmm. And it was just an incredible story. That's the 10% that that I research for and that I investigate for. They don't talk about gifting, and they don't talk about hieroglyphics written in ancient Chinese that probably aren't written right, by right. Bigfoot. But that's what, you know. <laughs> right. That, but they. It, when did that become a thing? Can I ask that question? Maybe you could enlighten <laughs> me. When did Bigfoot start speaking Mandarin? You know, there's like what over a hundred dialects. That's of the Chinese. first I've heard of it. <laughs> 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 yeah, my research partner Ernie used to love when I do that in the woods, and he was he was always he always thought we'd get a response for that. Oh, I always wow. thought he was nuts. Turns out he was nuts. But well, there you go. That makes it more fun, people, though. Like, where did people come up with this stuff? Like it's I, I, I don't, don't know. know. Wow. And it's damaging to the field. That's the problem. Like right. Bigfoot will not knock on your back door and ask you for garlic. <laughs> I don't think it will speak to you telepathically. And the reason why I say I don't think is because we don't speak to each other telepathically usually. Vance and I usually text. We don't, you know, mind speak. <laughs> right. And and the right. fact that you start awesome. attributing these more paranormal aspects to mm-hmm. these creatures that, you know, at this point, we still believe biologically distinctive are animals. They're nothing, uh, you know, they're not ghosts, or maybe they are. I don't know anything, but they leave a physical footprint. Like, we just start explaining more and more of a mystery on top of a mystery, and you start burying it. 
and you it becomes less credible. So with habituation, right. same thing. It starts leaving you gifts, and you can gift back and forth. And I just don't buy into that. I could be wrong, guys. I don't think I am, but I can be. And I think sometimes people so badly want to believe that this is what's happening that they may go to great lengths to prove it just so they don't feel left out in the cold. Right. Well, that, you know, and that's a good point. And you know what? The, the whole Sasquatch, Bigfoot, how, whatever you want to call it, it's been around for years now. And I think as people kind of go, yeah, 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 I've heard that story. I've heard that story. I know what it is. Yeah, but you didn't hear this part of the story. It can telepathically talk. And I think a lot of that might develop just from that, just to kind of keep that whole mm-hmm. topic matter a little bit more fresh. Now, you know, maybe ten, maybe 10 years from now, Sasquatch has the ability to sprout wings and is able to fly. And they can and make over wings, Chicago, you know, disappear over Chicago. Exactly. You know, who knows, but it seems to be on that trajectory anyway, where there's more fascination and more fantasy that's added to it. Uh, on a kind of a yearly basis to make that the whole cryptid thing still fascinating to listen to these stories. Now you go back to the story that you were just telling. I believe that I'm sorry, but I'm hands down. I I will go all in, put a gun to my head, say, was this story real? And I say, yes, fine. I I get to live. I believe that that creature was going through the dumpster. That's, Something that uh, that type of a creature would do, in my honest opinion, yes. It's going to go through a dumpster. It's involuntary habituation. You're throwing your scraps and food out, and they're like, mm, well, it kind of smells good. Let's go over here and see what's in here. Any you know, animal would do that. term there, involuntary. And I think that's right. what – and maybe we ought to put that as a subcategory of habituation is involuntary. It's like any other wild animal. It has a food source that's readily available for it. It doesn't have to expend a lot of energy. And when you're in the mood for survival, right. when energy right. is the most right. important thing you have, and you need to conserve mm-hmm. as much to get a meal, like it's there. And and these people, they had they made nothing off this story. It never went oh, public. Of in fact, no. this, right. might, this is the second time I've talked about it. I believe in mm-hmm. in the. Eight years that I, you know, I, I've known them. Like this is the second time, so they're definitely not getting a lot of exposure. And newsflash, folks: me and maybe two or three other people investigated these people. Nobody else. Like, right? They're right. they're not out there. Like these stories, and there's tons of them across Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is, you know, people think Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, and that's Pennsylvania. But there's so much of Pennsylvania no, no, no. open yeah. and wooded. And so mm-hmm. much of it is uh, in the area I live, northern central Pennsylvania. Uh, it's a very conservative area. So if people were experiencing something, nine times out of ten, they won't talk about it. It's just right. now in the last five or six years, and Eric Altman will verify it, we're starting getting reports out of this area because people have found that there's somebody out here that will investigate and listen. That person happens to be me. They're finally mm-hmm. learning that, and they're starting to get these reports coming in, and I think it's fantastic because the majority oh, sure of them, the majority of these reports – aren't anything spectacular. They're run-of-the-mill average sighting reports. Mm-hmm. I saw something across the road. I, I, I saw mm-hmm. something in my yard or little things. Things are missing from my property. 
I, my buddy Ray and I, my best friend Ray Hendershot, we were out driving uh, a couple Januarys ago, and uh, we really weren't paying attention to weather, and we should have. And a snowstorm had happened, and we were driving in his truck, and we the area had just suffered some pretty severe flooding uh, the year before, the uh, fall before the win- the so that October previous October. Okay. A lot of the roads right. in that way were damaged. A lot of the roadways were washed out. Not a lot of protection in that area. And uh, mm-hmm. we went up around this road and his truck got stuck. Well, we're out in the middle of nowhere. We had to hike eight miles back to uh, this these cabins where, guess what? Guess who doesn't live out in these cabins during the winter? A lot of people. It's more of a summer area. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, there was one man living in his cabin year-round out there, and we went and knocked on his door. He was apprehensive to let us in, so he goes, let me ask you guys, what the hell are you doing out here? And I'm like, well, right. if I told you, I think you're going to kick us back out, but I'll tell you. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I actually called my dad. My dad came and picked us, you know, was on the way, so we were waiting for my dad to come pick mm-hmm. us up, and mm-hmm. he uh, – starts talking we tell him you know we're out here you know we're following up on a bigfoot sighting that happened in this way not too long ago and the guy goes oh bigfoot huh he's like yeah he goes well let me tell you something and you make of this what you will but last summer i heard these god awful screams going around here and i used to get this smell around my cabin all the time this really strong stinky smell he goes i could never i went out looked for a bear i could never identify what was leaving this smell well, over deer season, he had hung a couple deers out in his back porch, and he said the one night he heard a rackus going on. I went out, and one of the deers was gone. Ooh. Something stole the deer off his back porch, and mm-hmm. uh, he never did find it. He goes, if it was a bear, he probably would have been able to see more signs of it being a bear. He said something took it, and he, you know, he was sincere lived out there by himself like again another one of these people that live out in these areas year-round and it's opportunity and if these things live out there to begin with well they know this guy's out here all year there's going to be something to eat and he had no reason to lie to us either in fact he could have killed us he was a crazy cabin guy we could have been (laughs) shot by now like you know but you know my dad came picked us up and it was these these stories, these but things just, it goes I, back to your point, Sean, crazy. right there that just makes your point so valid that you go to this guy's house. You mean to tell me in the three minutes from your first introduction to, well, what are you doing out here, that he conjured up this whole story in his head to doesn't tell happen. you? Right. It exactly. doesn't happen. It would be the next day he would slap himself on the forehead going, God, if I was, oh, I, oh, I could have made this great yeah, story I up. I could have told these guys and freaked them out. And Now, if he was coming up with it right then and there telling, hey, I got to tell you something, you know, it's a legitimate story that he told you. We probably and if he wanted spent... it to go over the top, he would have said, and then I saw this, you know, 10-foot tall creature, but he didn't. So, nope. yeah, there's I validity to that story right there. Us, I don't recall him ever telling us he saw anything. And mm-hmm. like I said, we, we had hiked eight miles. We were already cold and uh, just needed a place to, you know, make contact to see somebody can come out and pick us up because his truck is stuck and not going anywhere. We were probably right. with the guy for maybe 65, 70 minutes, maybe mm-hmm. an hour, hour and a half, mm-hmm. you know, and at the most. 
And that's not a whole lot of time. From the time we sat down and talked to him to what we were doing out there, and he right. kind of relayed that story. We talked about it back and forth, and I even probed him. I'm like, you know, with with more questions. So, uh, you know, have you done a lot of reading on Bigfoot? Or, you know, just try to gauge his legitimacy right. myself. Have you watched a lot of TV? And he goes, I ain't get the cable out here, you know. <laughs> so, uh, right, right, he's right. kind of a backwards guy. So, you know, finding Bigfoot's not going to be an option at that time. And we take for granted these things are on now. Right, and this information mm-hmm. is out there now. It hasn't always been that way, and there's still very right. rural parts of this country where people still aren't in tune with this. And when I tell you right. guys this is a conservative area, it, it really is. You have a lot of older people, long time, uh, re- long time uh, old timers that have been hunting out in these woods that probably aren't going to open up and tell just anybody about something they experienced. Right. Right. Well, and it can be hard to share experiences, though, too. I mean, there will be something that will happen, and it might take me three or five days to, I mean, to even tell Vance, you know? I mean, it's it, it's weird at first to experience something, and then and then you question yourself, and you don't want to sound crazy, and, you know? So I can understand why people might keep something to themselves for, you know, ever. I always think it's the person that you reach out and contact to and that person who you make a connection with. Both my grandfathers on my mother's side and my dad's side have always told me I'm probably the easiest person on the planet to talk to. I just have this mm-hmm. this calming, Energy. like, genuine effect that people want to tell me things. Like, and right. guys, it's crazy. <laughs> like, I don't do this on purpose. Like, I'm I'm nothing special. Let me tell you, I'm me. I just happen to be caught up in all this weirdness, and I and I love every minute of it. But for some mm-hmm. reason, people come to me and tell me this stuff, and I love it because you know what? Feel free to tell me. I'm not going to pass judgment <laughs> on you unless you're really nuts, and then I right. might tell you, get away from me. And we've been in some situations. My best friend, James Baker, Bake Shop, you guys, he and I go everywhere together. He's always on my Facebook posts, and Baker's, mm-hmm. uh, he, he's a great guy, and one time we were on an investigation and I, I guess I just didn't eat my Wheaties that morning. I don't know what I was thinking. And this guy shows us this picture. And in this picture, he's got things circled. He's like, well, this is a gray and this is a Bigfoot. And like, he's got all these things circled and he's pointing it out to us, you know, paradoyal, paradoyal to the max. Wow. Right? And, and, oh, Baker okay. goes, right. and Baker goes, can I see the original? You know, cause this was an enlargement of the picture. <laughs> And uh-huh. like he pulls out this picture and it looks like he took it out of a, you know, out of a window. And Baker goes, dude, this mm-hmm. isn't a Bigfoot. He goes, this is a picture out your grandma's bay window. This is her flower garden. And like he's saying this in front of the guy, right? And this guy's just mortified. Well, he's like, oh, well, let me take you up to this this area where I've had some experiences. So me and Kelly Beverly, God rest her soul, she's not with us anymore. We lost Kelly a couple years ago. She's a very sweet Mm -hmm. girl. I miss her very much. Well before her time she was taken. And we were going to go up to the top of this mountain. And Kelly's like, well, I'd rather walk. And I'm like, well, you know what? You're better looking than Baker. I'll walk with you. And uh, so James gets in this guy's Jeep and they start going up the hillside. And all of a sudden you see the door fly open and Baker jumps out of it. Jumps out of a moving oh. vehicle. Oh, my gosh. And, okay. and he comes, okay. by, comes back to me, and <laughs> oh. he's pissed. Like, like 
maybe because he just tucked and rolled out of a, a moving vehicle. Yeah, right. And he goes, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know what. He goes, you left me in the car with this lunatic. He goes, never, <laughs> never again. He goes, this guy is nuts. And and he, I guess he had a further conversation with Baker in the car, and he just it was enough for him to open the door and jump oh out God. of the moving vehicle. Like, wow. 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 And we never saw the guy again. I never wow. saw the uh-huh. guy. And uh, Baker was just floored. And it's my fa- probably one of my favorite stories. And it turns out this, oh. this guy, you know, he showed us a picture of his grandma's bay window. I've I've had a guy come to me, and he's a Vietnam POW, okay? And, you know, he served his country, went through some traumatic experiences. So I'm always going to listen to this guy, whether I believe him or not, right? He deserves somebody to listen to him. And every few weeks where I work, he would show up. He listened to my radio show and found figured out where I work. And came to me, and he'd bring me these pictures, and they were – he claimed aliens living in his concrete patio. Sounds crazy oh, wow. to you and me, wow. right? But this is a guy that was in Vietnam. He was a POW. Like, you know, I right. don't care if he told me it was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He did his service for us. At least I could do is listen to him, right? Right. And, right. Uh, like, there are some people that just need an outlet. There's crazy people. There are absolutely insane people that make your research partner jump out of moving vehicles. Like this is a whole, <laughs> a whole cadre of people out there that mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, like we go into that what if category again, Jen. Like wh- what if? Like at the end of the day, what exactly. if there is aliens living in this concrete patio? Do I think there are no? <laughs> right. I also don't think there's leprechauns, but people see leprechauns. I also exactly you know don't think Bigfoot's telepathic, but people believe that too. So what if? What mm-hmm. is the harm? And what if, as long as they're not speaking right. for the community as a whole, I'm okay with right. them existing. Right. Yeah. Well, it's fa- it's fascinating. You know, they make for uh, entertaining stories. You know, so. Well, and Sean, I'll too. tell you what. Oh, hmm? to say the least. Yeah, it's scary too. But see, it's stories like that that keep stories fed. You know, that gives new light to shows like the X-Files because they hear stories like this and go, hey, you know, we could write an episode about aliens in the concrete. <laughs> you can do that. And yeah. they can get away with it and sell it know. as a believable story. So there you go. Right. But at the end right, of the day, we're going to wrap up. An alien. Thank you for doing this to begin with. And, yeah, you know, thank you so much. Jennifer already said, you know, and I, I told Jennifer that I already gave you a big hug and a kiss on the cheek for stopping by he the did. caravan. It's very nice, folks. And, <laughs> give a, get a hug and, and uh, kiss from Vance. <laughs> you know, when I when we do meet up at Minerva Monster Day, I'm going to inter- introduce myself to Baker, and I'm just going to go, dude, I remember you. Don't you remember me? I was the guy that was driving the Jeep, and you jumped out of my Jeep. What the hell did you do that for? So don't tell yes. him that, okay? I won't. I can't wait to see like, that. I'm tell me so I can Facebook Live it. I'm going to yes. Facebook Live that. Please, I want to watch. That's going to be amazing. Now, oh, it's so, so good. Yeah, that's, so, so tell him, you know, yeah, don't listen to Caravan of Lore because then he'll be in on the joke and yeah, is what it is. <laughs> Thank you, Sean, for stopping by. And, of course, you know, where can everybody find you? Because I know. You can find me every Friday night at 11 p.m. on the existence of strange things on RadioMemphis.com. Or go to my website, Sportshop.net. Awesome. Cool. And, of course, we're all over there putting in our own little two cents worth over at the Existers page. So 
if you guys aren't a member of the existers yet, just, just go to Facebook, type in the, is it the existers? No, just existers. And, and then you friend request us or ask to be approved and we'll let you in. And then of course you can join in the conversation over there as well. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Sean. This has been very informative it's and extremely so entertaining. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was my pleasure. Wonderful. My guys. pleasure indeed. Jennifer, any last words? Say that I absolutely loved this. This has been one of my top favorite uh, recordings that we've done. Um, you know, we went for two hours. <laughs> I know. I said one forty-four. Wow. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, so sorry, Sean. You kept you up so late. I will have I'm to not. kidnap you talking. boys and bring you back over to the caravan again. Always, because I haven't talked about my encounter yet. That's a whole other thing for another time. Exactly. No, I know, and we're going to get yes. to that. <laughs> we are. We'll have you that. back. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank okay. you. Have a good, good night, night, everybody. Everyone. You too, guys.